This is Wendell Tull, and this is Division One Basketball. And like I said to those that are returning to listen to this podcast, when I started the podcast, it was really about talking about not specifically Division One, uh, you know, statistics and game highlights and all the things that you could probably find on ESPN and Slam and and all these different uh, avenues or venues or areas online that uh, do a really good job of covering the sport. But it's really more about having conversations with interesting people who can give you some insight as to what it takes to be a Division One basketball player, Division One athlete, what the grind is about. And sometimes it's going to be strictly basketball. Sometimes it's about, you know, things that are in the area of basketball, but maybe in a different niche, you know, so we talk about strength training or nutrition or, you know, all the things that I think can help you as a player get better. And so today I'm really excited to have a conversation with with a really good friend of mine, Bill Daniels, who is a personal trainer and when I say he's a personal trainer, he is literally one of the best trainers in all of California and really one of the best in America. He's someone who's been working at his craft for a long time and does a really great job of connecting with his clients and, and getting them to a level that they probably didn't have an expectation to get to. So today we're talking with Bill Daniels. Bill, what's going on, man? Hey, Wendell, what's up? It's good to see you. I'm glad that uh, you came on Division One basketball. And uh, you know, what's going on with Corona? Like, are you uh, are you been like everyone else, locked in and not able to to get out and do the things you normally used to doing? Yeah, at the beginning it was it was pretty tough. You know, really wasn't sure what was happening with all this, and it was a lockdown for a little while. But uh, you know, now we're we're getting to a point where things are starting to loosen up a little bit getting outside more training people at the parks some people in their in their backyards or at their house and the gyms are starting to open up so we're, we're getting there cool so bill i wanted to give the listeners a sense of your background and and how you ultimately got into this profession of personal training i know when people go to college and you were a college athlete you're a football player I'm sure you didn't start off the first day your freshman year thinking one day I'm going to be a professional trainer or, you know, personal trainer. And so let's talk about kind of the, the, the genesis of that and, and, and how you, um, how you got there. But before we do that, I want to talk about where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Massachusetts on uh, Cape Cod, which was awesome, you know, in the summertime, <laughs> rough in the winters. Okay. Um, but I was there, um, I went, you know, through elementary school, middle school, high school, on the Cape. And then when I went to college, I went in northern Massachusetts to a school called Merrimack College up near New Hampshire. And after I graduated, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I decided to move to California and totally change things up. Okay. Uh, that's how I ended up out here. Wow. So let, let's let's talk just um, a little bit about the football side of it. Were you guys pretty good as a college team? Where, and what position did you play? So when I was recruited, I was actually the first recruiting class. They had just brought football back to Merrimack. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were just starting to build the program up. There was one season right before me. And then I came in as a freshman the second season of the program. Okay. And we actually built it up to a point where at one point we were nationally ranked. That would have been my my third year there, fourth year of the program. Okay. And uh, we had a great season. We ended up finishing seven and three. We lost three games late in the season and... But we'd started to build the program then, and the program's now evolved from a Division two program to a Division one program. Okay. And you were a wide receiver? I was a wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you graduate, and you come out to California, and what was the plan when you came out to California? Was it, okay, I want to be a personal trainer? How did that evolve? You know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, I was fortunate enough to have some family that lived out here. Okay. So I was staying with them, and while I was trying to figure it out, I joined the YMCA where they worked out and I started working out and got talking with the managers over there. They saw me working out and they asked me if I would ever consider taking that career path. So I thought, yeah, we'll start with that. We'll see where, see where we go. Okay. And I just fell in love with it Okay. and and started, there's always something new to learn. You know, I, I love learning the new things. It's a industry that's growing really, really fast. Okay. So new studies come out, new things come out and things you can apply and it can totally change the game sometimes for people. Okay. So you, you, you came out here 
you weren't sure exactly what you were going to do. You kind of fell into it. But talk about the education because you what did you study in college? I actually went to school for business. Okay. Um, particularly marketing. Okay. But since then, I've taken college classes. I've taken all kinds of seminars and certifications. Okay. And I read about it all the time. Like I'm just I'm in love with it. Really, right, it's right. you know it's been something I can't get enough of. Okay. So you're constantly growing and and learning and and educating yourself on a different, probably more up-to-date techniques and ways of training your clients. And I would imagine a lot of it stemmed from your personal experience when you were an athlete thinking, wow, you know, I wish I would have done, you know, this or that or whatever in terms of strength building or cardio or, you know, was was that kind of like uh, the motivation where you where you knew you could maybe have been even a better performer or you could have gotten to a different level if you had certain foundation with, with the training? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, what's interesting is what I've learned going through all of this is that for something to hit the mainstream, like a certain training technique, for example... It takes about 12 years from the time it's really discovered till the time it hits mainstream. Okay. Because um, it's got to go through, especially this is really particularly with medical stuff, right? So something becomes a theory, then they want to test it, and then they've got to publish it. And then by the time it gets read and utilized enough to become mainstream, it's been 12, 15 years. Okay. So I really try to stay on top of these studies coming out and really try to understand what they're doing, what they're saying, and trying to apply that stuff earlier than that so that it can be out there for people. So I end up doing a lot of stuff with my clients with neurology type things. So you can do things with your eyes. You can do things with head movements that can change your strength in your entire body or your flexibility. You can start to notice these things when people are playing their sport. You can start to see, you know, somebody's not catching a ball the right way when they turn their head to the right or they're not moving quickly enough to the left. And you can start to dig into these things with certain assessments and really start to see, oh, well, you know, maybe their eyes don't move as well to the left. And then you can start doing exercises for that and then applying that into your traditional exercises. Okay. So you can get on there like in a bench press and have somebody just turn their eyes in a different direction. It can totally change the lift. Okay. And a lot of a lot of our listeners and people that follow Division One basketball, we, we talk about having a mentor. I think some of the guests that we've had on here in the past have always said there was always someone that really was a big influence on them in terms of their, you know, their playing career or, you know, if they were a coach, when, once they got into the coaching profession, it was someone that they looked up to. You know, do you, did you have a mentor or someone that you looked to that uh, provided, you know, that guidance and motivation as you progressed in this career? Well, I think really what it comes down to for me is more about the coaches I had mm-hmm. growing up and seeing how they could impact a lot of the other players that I played with. And I always wanted to be that. And I did do a little bit of coaching at the high school level, but I really enjoy actually getting in there in the off season with them in the, in the weight room and on the field doing other conditioning stuff Okay, and being able to connect with the players that way. And my other, my other clients too. And, being able to impact them in that way. Okay. So once again, our, our audience is basketball players, you know, people who are either playing their youth basketball leagues or, you know, they're trying to make their high school team. And a lot of them are aspiring to become division one basketball players. And so I'm always curious. I know from my own personal career and, and I played so many years ago that when I was coming up as a basketball player, I never thought about strength training. It was not even anything that was on my radar. I was a runner before I was a basketball player. And once I started playing, the old myth of you're going to get too bulky and slow and and you're not going to be as flexible if you hit the weights. And so I just didn't do a lot of weight training. You know, it just was one of those things where I didn't feel like I needed it. And then all of a sudden, the rude awakening happened when I got to college and we had a strength coach and a strength program and a, and a, and a weight training program. And I was like in for a rude awakening, you know? And so it was one of those things where I started to, to look back and I went, I wonder if I'd started this earlier, if I would have had more success as a basketball player, I wouldn't have been as, I, I never really got injured, but you know, uh, maybe my longevity in the game might've been, might've been a little bit longer. So I guess the, the, the question is how early would you say is, is early to get involved in a strength training program? You know, if you're a kid that's like 10 years old and you know you want to be a basketball player, you know, would you recommend someone that young getting into the weight room and starting with some lifting? 
I think what it really comes down to is rather than thinking about it as how much weight you're lifting, it's more about how well can you control your movements. And so you can start with kids at six, seven, eight years old doing basic stuff without really loading those movements, teaching them coordination. That would be the earlier stages. After you start to control the movement, then you want to strengthen those movements. So that's when you start to add load. And, you know, usually around 10 or 12 is a good time to start putting a kid under some light load, giving them some light weights to start moving with, but always being in a controlled atmosphere. Okay. And then you start getting into more of the dynamic stuff as they get into their teen years, once their bodies start to develop. You don't want to overtrain a kid when he's too young because his body's going to change once he hits puberty. Yeah. So I don't really start lifting heavy with kids until they're, you know, at least 12, okay. 13, 14 years old. Okay. And would there be any difference in the exercises or the types of routines that you're going through? I mean, I would imagine exercises could be the same, but let's say you're dealing with a young girl as opposed to, uh, you know, a boy. They would be doing the same exercises, just the, the you know, the amount of weight that they're using would be different or would, would, there, would that matter? The first thing I always consider is one, what are they trying to accomplish? So yeah. that is based tremendously on the sport they're playing, mm -hmm. right? So if they're playing basketball, you're going to have one set of types of movements you're trying to do versus if you're playing another sport like golf, right? Okay. Then second, you need to see where their deficiencies are. You know, as your body changes, you can start to see different movement patterns that are caused by muscle imbalances or any other issue. And so you've got to fix those. Mm -hmm. After that, then you can start getting into you know, the weight training programs that you see. And with girls and boys, the primary difference is going to be the amount of weight that's lifted. Okay. Girls versus boys, girls generally have significantly less muscle fiber in their upper bodies. With lower body stuff, however, your girls and boys are almost equal. Oh, really? Okay. So the primary difference in the amount of weight they're lifting is usually going to be upper body okay with all things being equal okay i have an interesting story when i was um i believe a junior in high school that was really my first full season as a starter as a full-time basketball player i'd run track and and uh didn't transition to basketball until later in in life you know so to speak i was a junior in, in high school when i was like okay i'm this is a serious game for me so where I'm going with the story is the women's head basketball coach at the University of Oregon is a gentleman by the name of Kelly Graves, Coach Graves. Coach Graves at the time, when I first met him, was a, uh, I want to say he would have been like a sophomore, junior at the University of New Mexico. And he was a shooting guard out of Utah. Uh, I think he, actually he um, he transferred from a school in Utah to New Mexico. But in any event, probably about six, seven, six, eight. Now he's one of the most successful women's basketball coaches in the country. Started out building that that program at Gonzaga, the women's program, and then uh, then he got the job at Oregon. They got to the national championship game, I think, last year and, and lost. But he's a tremendous head coach, and I got to play against him uh, when I was in high school, and he was. A college player and he lit me up literally he it was like there was a a definite difference in the strength of him versus me and i was you know the very next year to give you a little context i was the player of the year my senior year and so it wasn't like i was he was playing you know one-on-one -on -one against just a slouch like i was the best player right but there was such a difference in the strength you know the way he could move me uh you know his first step was just faster he knew what he was doing right away. There wasn't like a lot of thinking going on. It seemed like he was just really, really reacting off of instinct. So fast forward to him taking over the women's program at Oregon, and he's got now the best player in the country, Sabrina Unesco, who is just dynamite point guard, uh, number one pick of the New York Liberty and her the accolades just go on and on in terms of how tremendous this this young lady is as a player but the the cool thing for you is you actually met her many many years ago when her and her twin brother who live in Walnut Creek where where we reside were just training right just getting into sports i guess and and really into trying to the physical part of it so talk about what what that was like and and uh i know you spent a brief time with her training her but uh but it seems like you 
discovered right away that she was actually going to be somewhat of a talent as she got older. Yeah, I knew her when she was, I don't know, probably about 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, they used to come into the gym that I was at and, um, you know, always be down there in the court working out, coming up on the floor and lifting some weights. And they're always there with their dad. And, you know, they were both really, really good basketball players for uh-huh. little kids. And I even got down there and shot around with them a few times. Okay. And, you know, I actually even thought her brother was going to be better than she was. Okay. Um, but they both worked really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they were dedicated to it from a young age. Yeah, yeah. So what what I think is kind of an interesting uh, tidbit is the fact that you identified her and her brother as serious workers. You know, that's the thing that that you, you can't neglect is the work, right? And that starts at a very young age. And I think parents want their kids to have fun playing these sports but you could actually see you know when someone's really dedicated to the sport and i'm not i'm not advocating that that kids just solely focus on one sport growing up it's kind of nice to have a number of different things that you're interested in but in sabrina's case it was pretty clear i think early on that she was going to be a good basketball player but the work ethic it didn't matter if it was basketball or softball or soccer she was going to be a good player because she put the work in and was that easy to, to identify? Oh yeah. I mean, you could see her down there on the court and she would be working on shooting from one spot where she was having trouble Yeah, or she'd be working on one drill where she wasn't moving well. She would really focus on those small pieces Mm -hmm. and that eventually built up to her whole game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, it's been fun to watch her. I didn't know much about her until a few years ago. And, and, um, and that Oregon program wasn't doing anything for a long time. And, and like I said, coach Graves was someone that, uh, he was a worker and you could see that he was also really, you know, just a thinker, someone who, who, you know, put the time in and did a lot of study and analysis of, of the opponents. And, and so when I watch him work and the success he had a place that a place like Gonzaga, which for both men and women, the men's program now is taken off and they're just nationally ranked every single year. When he went to Gonzaga, the women's program wasn't doing anything and he turned him into a national power and then moves up to Oregon and does the same thing. And so just that commitment to, to excellence and the commitment to working, it's not a coincidence why he's been successful. It's not a coincidence why she has been successful. Unfortunately, I think she's hurt, hurt now. I think she's rehabbing an injury. She got hurt in, uh, in the, her first year in the WNBA. And, uh, and when I watched her play, those first few games were, were kind of rough. You know, she had a really tough uh, first outing, I think. Um, even the second outing was was not that great. But then you could see the wheels turning in her head. You go, this woman is figuring this out really quickly. And she's gotten so good. And just as she was just like making her mark on the league, she she got hurt. And so I think she missed the rest of the year. But I was looking forward to seeing her you know, finish that WNBA NBA season and, you know, move on to playing in Europe where I think a lot of the players have to go, unfortunately, to, to earn an income. So let's talk about basketball in the sense that the NBA draft is coming up you know, on the 18th of November. And there are a lot of guys that are tremendous players in college, and that's why they're serious prospects for an NBA team that might be thinking about selecting them. And what would you say to a player, you know, who was coming out of college uh, in terms of trying to get their body right to be in a position to uh, have some success on the next level? Because now you're dealing with, you know, even though we're young men in college, you're playing with grown men or against grown men in the NBA. And so it's a different level. The talent level is there, but the strength is very different. If a player is in a college program and they're working out, but they're trying to make that leap, you know, do you see anything different that they would have to do, whether it's their nutrition has to get better or, you know, or, you know, the types of exercises that they're doing, or is it all the same? You just got to, you know, spend more time in one area as opposed to another. I mean, how would, how would you address that? Well, the NBA is the best of the best. Yeah. Right? So you've got to really take it strategically, you know, coming in as a rookie, if you haven't already been doing the strength training through college, you're not going to catch up real quick. Yeah. You've got to kind of periodize when you're strength training, and that really should come more in the off-season. Okay. Preseason and all that stuff, you need to be ready to take on the physical abuse that you're going to take. You don't. You cannot play if you're injured. Sure. So the first thing you need to do is 
make sure that you're strengthening your joints. Make sure you're balanced. Make sure that you're not at risk of tearing your ACL. Because, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't realize this, but torn ACLs, 75% of the time are non-contact injuries. Yeah. And that's right. because of muscle imbalances. You're not able to control yourself landing on the ground after you've jumped. Those are the things you need to focus on first. Okay. Once you've taken care of that, you get in season, you're just trying to maintain because your body's already taken a ton of abuse. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to go into an NBA season trying to get stronger. You're just trying to maintain what you got. All right, all right. After the season's over, that's when you can heal up a little bit and then get in there and really try to build some more strength. Okay. That's when you're going to get stronger. Right now, we're in a unique time because because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Right? The season is starting in December now. Yeah. They had, right? like I think, a 72-day rest in between when those teams, Miami and uh, the Lakers, played in the finals to the start of the new season. Now, some people definitely are thinking that's just too too soon between the end of the season and the start of a season. But the reality is the majority of the league has been at home resting, right? So Right. I mean, look at the Warriors, right? Yeah, they've right. Been, they've been they never even made it March. to the bubble. Yeah. yeah, they never even made it to the bubble. But I interrupted you, you know, so you were talking about like, uh, you know, what you were doing in terms of, uh, you know, the, the timing and what you're doing preseason as opposed to in season. And Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a unique year. Yeah. really all I was saying, because the timing is now different. Usually the, the season has started by now. Right, right. And it's not starting for, uh, you know, two months into normally when they start. Okay. And then I haven't even heard. Are they planning to play a full season? It's going to be 72 games. So it's going to so be a little bit shorter. shorter. And the, that'll put them at the end. When's the, when are the finals supposed to be? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't uh, see the whole calendar. I just knew they were playing 10 games less. And that now comes down to the finances, right? right. The players wanted to play less than that. The owners were going, no, we have a gate. Yeah. And we have things that we need to you Well, know, take in 72 care. games plus all those playoffs, you're going to be pushed out later than you normally are right. again. Right. So you're probably going to have a shorter off season again right. next year. Mm-hmm. So it starts to get a little bit tricky. And you've got to get in what you can. So, yeah. you know, I know the NBA has come out with all these rules about how you can rest players. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. So you can load management. Right. And, uh, you can start to you can start to play with those things and, and get in little micro pockets of strength training mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks if you're able to take a couple of games off. But the biggest issue is going to be how many injuries are we going to see next year with a yeah. shorter offseason? Right. So that that's really got to be the focus, I think, right now. Once you get back into a regular calendar, then you can start doing more strength training. I think the guys that are too physically weak right now are going to have the hardest time. Yeah. You know, Bill, you mentioned something about the ACL injuries. And I I don't know statistically what this number is, but I know it's really high up there for women players. If you go to a women's practice, college or high school, you'll see more knee braces than you'll ever see on a men's team. And I don't know what that, you know, medically is attributed to. Maybe once again, the muscles around the ACL are not as strong or as, as developed. I'm not sure. But is there anything that, that you would say to a woman or a young girl who wants to try to avoid that ACL? And like you said, that's a non-contact injury for the majority of, of players that get that. It's non-contact. Even Achilles, when I saw Kobe Bryant tear his Achilles and, um, you know, a couple of players that I was watching last year that had Achilles injuries, no one was around them. They were just making a move and then boom, the, the Achilles is injured, is injured. But with the ACL, you know, is there anything that you can do in terms of exercise or strength training specifically to focus on the area of the knee where you, you know, hope that that, that ACL injury doesn't happen? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. Women are far more likely to tear their ACL than men. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a million different reasons as to why that is. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, culture. So, you know, women are always taught, you know, cross your legs Uh and that ends up creating these movement habits with the knees. So if you're somebody, you know, watch yourself squat in the, in the mirror and if your knees buckle in between your ankles, then you're at a much higher risk of an ACL tear. Sure. And you see that more with women than men. Okay. But in terms of strengthening that, it becomes one, you've got to figure out where the imbalance is if there's an imbalance, right? Okay. Building all the stability muscles is important. So building up the strength in the hips, um, having good mobility in the hips, good mobility in the ankles is important. Being able to control your knee in all positions because the tear, the non-contact ACL tear generally happens when the knee is in rotation trying to slow down, okay. trying to decelerate the movement, right? So you have to be able to at least control the movement with no load 
So just doing simple things like knee circles with your foot on the ground. Okay. Working on moving the knee in every direction. The knee really only is like a hinge, right? So it only moves forward and backwards, but it does have some play inside and outside. Sure. So you need to be able to control that a little bit. Taking care of any issues with your feet, because if you have flat feet, for example, then your your ankle's going to collapse in, which then is going to lead to more knee collapsing. Okay. So there's a lot of different pieces to it, but taking care of what's above the knee and below the knee is key to preventing knee injuries. That's interesting. You know, when I when I think about going back to to high school and and the high school players that listen to us and the ones that are aspiring to be a college player, we we think about what happens and and you'd mentioned the work that you do preseason is going to be different than what you're doing in season. You're basically in the maintenance phase in season and then you have your postseason what what's happening. So, if I was a player that uh, was really, really invested in in changing my body and making it ready for the rigors of basketball, whether it's high school or college. You know, what what would you look at as a as a program before the season started? Would it be like a combination of strength and cardio as I'm building a base in order to you know get to the place where I feel like I can start the season really strong at my strongest and can endure the you know in high school whatever it is 30 games college you know add 10 to that and then of course if you're fortunate enough to play professionally um so my question is what what break down a, a you know a season for someone you know or the year for a player prior to getting to their season starting their season now is is fully going on and then what happens post sure so if you take a broad view of it right so we've got in season. Let's say the season just ended. We'll mm-hmm. go to we'll go to postseason. Okay. Right? The first few weeks you want to make sure you heal your body up. Yeah. You want, you know, you might be banged up from the rigors of the season. So that might just be some light work. Mm-hmm. Um, that might just be moving. That might just be stretching, depending on where you are. Okay. After that, now you've got, depending on whether it's high school, college, professional, you've got a certain amount of time before you're gonna start your preseason. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna want to start, you're gonna obviously want to stay in shape cardiovascularly. Right. I generally, at least in my experience with all the sports I've played over my life, you're really going to push the cardiovascular aspect of it when you're in your preseason. Okay. So my whole goal has always been maintain what you've done with the prior season in terms of your cardiovascular strength. So that's some light running. That's just trying to stay where you are. Okay. But that's the time also to spend more time on your strength training. And that's the time to get in there with a strength training program, focus on what it is you need to strengthen, you know, find your weaknesses, work on those. Once you get into preseason, now you're going to be doing more cardiovascular. You're going to be doing more skill development, Mm -hmm. meaning you're going to be working more on your footwork and those kinds of things. Um, And you can do those things with load, depending on what the, what the drill is. Yeah. Right. Then you get into season and you're just doing you're doing that same stuff, but at a much lower level. Okay. Because you've got to save some of that energy. You don't have as much recovery time because you have games, you have practices every day. All right. So in season, you're just trying to maintain it and just get through the season. If you have, you know, an all-star break or, you know, a, like in high school, oftentimes you might see them take two weeks off for Christmas, New Year's. Sure. That would be a time to get in there and start either rehabbing any injuries that you have or strength training, you okay. know, mid-season. You know, or push it a little bit harder because you're not going to be practicing as much. Or you might not have as many games. So that would be kind of how I would structure it. Really, the principle I kind of live by is when you work out, by the time you're done with your workout, you are actually weaker than when you started. Okay. It's the recovery that's the key. So okay. Recovery is what makes you stronger once your body heals. Bill, I talk to a lot of young ladies, a lot of young players, female players specifically. When we talk about weight training, they go, I do not want to get bulky by lifting weights. And I always say, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case, you know, unless you're trying to be like, uh, you know, some world record strength builder or, or weightlifter, that's not going to be the case. But what would you say to a young player, especially a young female who says, I'm not lifting because I don't want to get bulky? When you start a training program with weights, there are certain ways to lift that will make you bigger. And there are certain ways to lift that will just make you stronger and leaner. And unless you're in bodybuilding, you're not really going to be lifting that way to get bulkier. So it's really not that true that just lifting weights is going to make you bigger. In my experience, too, with women, I've talked to a lot of women that said, I don't want to do any 
weightlifting on my chest because I don't want my breasts to get smaller. And again, that's not necessarily true. It, it doesn't really work that way. It's, it's more about the functionality of the muscle. So when you're adding weight to it and you're doing more repetitions, you know, 10, 12 repetitions on a weight, you might build a little bit of size, but you're not going to get bulky. You're not going to become an Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're not going to be a bodybuilder. There are different ways to do that. And most of the athletic lifts that you do, like especially if you get into powerlifting, like cleans and jerks and snatches, those aren't going to make you bulky. Mm-hmm. If you look at any of the Olympic athletes that do those lifts okay. in your weight class, like on the lighter weights, they're not big and bulky. They're strong and muscular, yeah. but they're not bulky like a bodybuilder. Okay, They're going to be more athletic. Bodybuilders don't train movement. They train to just enlarge the muscle as, pos- as much as they possibly can. Okay. So once again, basketball related, when I, when I was playing, and I know a lot of players that I, that I chat with, they hate having to warm up. That's just not something they want to do. Everyone wants to get out and start shooting three-point shots or dunking the basketball and, and immediately just go out full 100% effort all the time. And I always felt like I performed better if I had a really good stretch or something that was a nice warm-up prior to me really exerting myself in practice, what what would you say is is recommended for a player before they go out on the floor and start, you know, banging and running full speed up and down the court? You know, do you recommend a routine every day that a player goes through before they actually start playing, you know, to prevent injuries and to get the muscle, all the fibers and everything warmed up? But what would you say to that? I, I absolutely do, whether it's with an athlete or just a, a regular client. Mm-hmm. I always have a warm up and it's usually very specific to that person based on their weaknesses or imbalances. Okay. If somebody's at a high risk of a knee injury, I'm going to do extra warm up stuff with that knee, maybe those knee circles we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's got a history of back pain, I might do something related to that depending on what's causing the back pain. It's also a good time to get in a lot of those eye and vestibular exercises because that stuff really plays a huge role in the rest of your body. So if your balance is off and you don't realize it, you're more at risk of injuring that side of your body, right? So if you're, if you're not looking in the right direction efficiently or if you can't get your eyes to one side correctly, you're more at risk of hurting yourself or being more stiff in that area. So you start to incorporate all these things, and I think it's a really individual thing. It gets to be tricky with a team because okay. now you've got, you know, basketball team, you've got 12 to 15 players, right. you know, a football team, you can have 50, 60 players on the field. Sure. So it's hard to have an individual warm up. So really you start like get all your joints moving. That's right. really the key is if you're not sure, just start to move all of your joints without any resistance. Okay. And if you go through it, you got your ankles, you got your knees, you got your hips, you got your spine, you got your shoulders, elbows, wrists. If you do that and you just move all of those joints individually for 10, 15, 20 seconds each, you know, you spent five or 10 minutes warming them up and you'll lubricate the joints better. You're going to have blood flowing through the muscles better. You're less likely to get hurt. Okay. And let's talk about post-practice. What's your belief in spending 10, 15, 20 minutes after the workout? You've gone up and down the court or the field, or whatever it is that you're doing, what what's the benefit of spending some time to stretch, try to get that lactic acid out of the, the joints or the legs or the muscles? You know, what what what's your uh, opinion on that? I think after practice or after games, it's good to do some sort of cool down. It doesn't need to be as intense as your warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to get the body to into recovery mode. When you're warm, it is a good time to stretch because your body will respond a little bit better. Yeah. But it should be more of a relaxing style. Okay. Right. We're trying not to get amped up anymore. We're trying to get the body to settle down at this point. So there's benefit to that. There's benefit to getting really good sleep after a hard workout, yeah. after a, a, a rough game, after a long practice. Those are the times to make sure you're getting your sleep. You're getting your, your high quality nutrition. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you're getting good food afterwards. Yeah. You're replacing your carbohydrates that you've used and getting your blood sugar back into a normal range. You're making sure you're getting protein to heal the tissues. So you want to get a good balanced meal. If you can't get a good balanced meal, that's when you use supplements. But it's best to get the real food first. Okay. Uh, you touched on a couple of things that that I get a lot of questions about. I, I think sleep is underrated. I think people don't put enough emphasis on getting a good night's sleep, at least seven hours of sleep, hopefully a little bit more if you can. 
And I know young people, especially, they're into the video games. They'll stay up all night playing, you know, uh, Call of Duty and all these different games that they can, you know, put the headset on and 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 play until midnight. Mom and dad have no idea that they're in their rooms doing these things. And so, talk about just just the the benefit or reiterate the benefit of getting a good night's sleep and and your performance being affected if you don't. Oh yeah, sleep is sleep is huge. You hit it right on the head. It is so underrated. Most people, I think the average a couple of years ago in America was the average American got about six and a half or six and three quarters hours of sleep a night. Okay. And you go through so much recovery when you sleep. Your body does so many things and we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot to do with what's called your circadian rhythm. So if you're not going to sleep until midnight, you're, even if you sleep until noon the next day, you're missing out on a lot of the chemical reactions that your body does. Yeah. You know, If you do go to bed early, like say you go to bed at 8 o'clock, but you get up at 4 a.m., you're still missing out on the other end. Yeah. There's, there's certain phases of sleep that happen. There's certain things that happen in each phase of sleep that play a huge role in recovery and a huge role in your immunity and your health. And if you're going to get the most out of your sleep, you need to get to bed, you know, earlier in the evening, 10 o'clock maybe. Okay. And, you know, try and sleep until six or seven. That's really, if you aimed for that and you even came up a little short, you're doing a lot better for yourself than sleeping from midnight to 8 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, what some of the, the, the friends of mine that have played professionally in the NBA, they talk about that was the the one area that they were lacking in was learning how to sleep and get the rest. The The problem with playing in college is pretty much every minute of your day is occupied with something, whether it's school or practice or weight training or whatever it is. There's always something going on. And then, of course, you probably have, you know, uh, your friends that you want to hang out with, with whatever little time that you have to hang out. And then you get into the the professional ranks and it's like you have so much free time and people don't once again realize that rest is is paramount to success. And the young players that listen to this to this podcast, you know, you can't be up all night playing those video games, you know, or talking to your friends on FaceTime and messing around with social media and all that stuff. I know that's fun and it's really cool to to do all that, but at the end of the day, the players that are getting the rest are the ones that are really excelling and and you could tell their performance. They're not sluggish in practice. They're not dragging every day. Their coaches don't have to get on them about, you know, what do you what do you look tired or lethargic? You could tell who's getting the rest and who's not. So I, I can't emphasize that more than, than what you just did, Bill. The other thing I was going to ask you about was nutrition. In college, as a Division One basketball player, we had training table. We had an opportunity to work together as a team, and we ate a lot of team meals together. So our coaches pretty much knew what we were eating unless we weren't doing something that was a team activity. And... I know in high school, it's it's maybe a little bit more complicated because everybody's home life and their home situation is different. But talk about the importance of putting fuel in the body so that you perform, once again, at the ultimate level. Uh, high school player, young player, you know, anyone in particular. Yeah, I mean, nutrition can be, we could do a whole series on just nutrition for athletes, sure. right? But to keep it simple, I'm a big believer that everyone's, got an individual metabolism, mm-hmm. right? So everybody's a little bit different. Some people will burn through their carbohydrates really quickly. Some people will burn through them really slowly. You could say that about other nutrients too, like caffeine. Some people burn through caffeine really fast. Some people burn through caffeine really slow. Everybody needs a different amount of all of these things. You know, I'm personally, for myself, I don't drink any caffeine. Okay. Just because if I, the smallest amount of caffeine gets, gets me wired for hours. Okay. I burn through it very slowly. Carbohydrates, on the other hand, I burn through quickly. All right. Right. So I need to eat smaller meals frequently throughout the day. Sure. There's there's so many different factors that go into nutrition. The best thing to do, if I'm going to keep it real simple, is get high quality carbohydrates. So fruits and vegetables. Sure. Maybe some grains. Get good protein. So I think people should be eating meat. I think we're made to eat meat. But if you're living a vegan or a vegetarian lifestyle, there's still ways to get good protein. And then you got to get good quality fats. You want to stay away from the processed fats, from yeah. the trans fats and things like that. You want to get your you know, oils, your nuts, your seeds. Those are going to be good sources of fat. And then just listen to your body. Play with the different proportions of each of those things. And listen to your body when it tells you, hey, I've had enough. Right. Or, hey, I'm hungry again, even though you just ate an hour earlier. 
that means, okay, your proportions were off. Okay. So you've just got to play with it and figure out what works for you. You've got to figure out if you're somebody who needs to eat two or three times a day or if you're somebody that needs to eat six times a day. Okay. You know, if somebody wants to do intermittent fasting, I say try it. You know, it's not going to be for everybody. Sure. If somebody wants to try the keto diet, try it for a short period of time and evaluate how you're feeling. Your body, when it's working right, will tell you what it needs. Okay. You know, and if you're craving things like sugar or processed foods, mm-hmm. then that means you've got some bad habits. And okay. You've got to change those and start getting back into the more healthy foods. Good answer. I think um, something I wanted to ask you about there are so many different products in a store, in a grocery store, in convenience stores. And the products I'm talking about are these nutrition bars and the supplements, the drinks, the you know, meal replacements. When you think about an active person that doesn't have a lot of time, they're trying to think of how can I spend the least amount of time sitting at a table consuming an entire meal? If I can take some shortcuts here, or if I can get six meals in with three of those meals being something on the run, uh, they think that might be better for them. But talk about you know, supplementation, some of the things like muscle milk and, you know, the the things that you see on TV, Gatorade and, and you know, all these different uh, types of sports beverages. I feel like too many athletes are living on these things and there's a lot of junk in, in, this, in these products. There's a lot of sugar in these products. And, and uh, so is there anything in particular that besides raw whole foods, you know, if you're in a hurry and you want to try to get something to supplement your, your diet because, you know, you have practice in, the, in an hour, um, you know, what do you see out there that's working for people? What's not working? What do you recommend in terms of supplements? You know, that's, again, a, another huge question. Yeah. But, you know, I actually had a conversation a few years ago with somebody from Muscle Milk, the gym I was at. We took on Muscle Milk as kind of a partner and we were selling some of their products. Okay. And I talked to the rep that we had and I was like, you know, I don't like to recommend this to my clients because there's, you know, the pro- I'm talking about their protein drink. Yeah. I was like, it had a lot of sugar in it. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't want to recommend something with so much sugar. And he's like, oh, well, they all do that. We all do it because that's what's going to make it taste better. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling BS on that because there are ways to make them taste better. That shouldn't be the excuse. You, Any of those things you're looking at, whether it's Gatorade or any electrolyte drink or any protein drink or whatever, look at the label. And if it's got a bunch of sugar in it, it's probably doing you more harm than good. Okay. I'm partnered with Designs for Health, okay. which is a... Um, it's run by a bunch of doctors. It's They call themselves a pharmaceutical grade supplement company. Okay. They design a lot of products for particular issues like adrenal issues or thyroid issues and stuff. Mm -hmm. But with my athletes and even myself, I use the protein. I take the vitamins. Okay. I do the probiotics. And the protein is like a whey protein? They have all kinds. So there's pea-based proteins, there's whey protein, there's beef protein, like collagen. And depending on what your particular needs are, we can figure out what what works. And they're really low in sugar. They're usually fortified with a bunch of vitamins and minerals. Um, So they give you a lot of other things. So when it comes to supplements, that I, I've, I partnered with them because I truly believe in their product. The way they make their, their protein is different than anybody else, so it's a much higher quality. Okay. It should be... Now, they're called supplements, right? Right. And that, the word supplement means like basically to help, mm-hmm. to fill in the gaps. So if you can't get it in your nutrition, in your actual food, that's when to get that. So when, with what you were talking about, okay. you're on the run. Right. What do I get? You know, you can make a smoothie and use that protein. Okay. And then you can throw in fruit with it. Like actual fruits, you're getting real food. Mm-hmm. You can use, you know, your different kinds of milk. If you use cow milk, great. If you use almond milk, coconut milk. I'm a big fan of coconut milk okay. just because of the fat source because I know that that works for me. Sure. So when you're going to take something on the run, a smoothie is a good way to get in your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fat. Okay. All in one quick thing and you can you can literally bang it out in two minutes. Okay. And then you can drink it on the run. Right. Plus it makes you full like that's yeah, what i like about yeah. protein it makes me feel like i don't need anything you know else to eat yeah yeah because you're getting you can get a lot of food in that yeah and if you want to make yourself even more full if you're somebody who doesn't eat a lot of vegetables you can throw fiber in there or okay. you can throw in you know we at designs for health we sell a green drink or not a green drink but like a green powder okay. to replace your vegetables and you can throw that right in there and that'll help you feel full a little bit longer too okay. and give you more nutrients really when it comes down to the nutrition if you're just chugging something down to feel full, but there's no nutritional value to it, yeah. you're, not, you're doing your body a disservice. Okay. So you want to make sure that there's value to what you're putting in your mouth. Okay. 
once again, I know I was guilty of it. I would, I would grab some stuff that just felt like instead of grabbing an apple, like say I was in a hurry and I would see a Snickers bar, you know, and this is when I was in school, I was a high school player. And I just thought if I ate something that was going to be fine, not realizing that a lot of those calories that I was eating were empty calories. And I might have just a real burst of energy initially after eating that, but then I would have the biggest dive in terms of my oh, energy. Totally. Yeah. And uh, and I couldn't figure that out because I wasn't really paying that much attention to my nutrition as I've gotten older. And I realized, wow, you know, truly your your body is your temple, right? And 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 you have to put the right nutrients. It's like trying to maintain a, a high performance sports car. You have it's to put high exactly grade the analogy I always fuel, use. right yeah. in there and. Um, you know, and so I see our, a lot of our players and, and a lot of the, the, the folks that, that listen to us, they just take it for granted. You're young, you're burning a lot of calories, you don't really care. You're just like, okay, if I grab the Snickers bar or whatever, Butterfinger or whatever, that's going to be fine. And it's not. I would even say that for young athletes who are feeling like they just need something to get over the hump, nutrition can be your edge. Yeah. You know, if you're, if, if you're, competing for a spot for playing time mm-hmm. and you feel like you're pretty equal with the guy that's ahead of you you start eating better you start playing better okay you know you start having more energy you can go longer and that can really be the difference between sitting on the bench and getting in the game yeah that's that's really great advice and i i think for the young players out there the high school players even the college players that is excellent advice because um once again it's just so easy i know guys that are that are making a lot of money playing professionally and they still don't know how to eat you know they eat just whatever the heck they want to because they're they're in that that belief that i'm i'm young and i'm gonna burn it off really quickly they're not they're not thinking about they're looking at their diet and saying well i'm not gonna get fat i'm burning a lot of calories so who cares if I, without looking at it as, yeah, but this is your fuel, right? It's, it's, it's going to really uh, affect your performance on the court, even off the court, right? You know, you're, you're just not going to feel as good as you can feel if you're putting the right stuff in your body. Yeah. Nutrition, nutrition influences everything. Yeah. Right. Like it'll influence your sleep, right? You can, you can say, Hey, I'm going to bed at the right time. I just can't sleep or I wake up in the middle of the night. Sure. Sometimes it's what you ate. Right. You know, you can get up in the morning and just feel sluggish mm-hmm. because of what you ate at night. Right. There's so many factors that nutrition plays a role in. If you start getting your nutrition right, you'll find that a lot of your other issues start to fix themselves. Sure, sure. And I think um I know for me as I as I've gotten older, if I was when I was a um an active player, I underestimated uh the the benefits of water. You know, I never drank enough water. I was always like, I was that guy that would go out and and play and and the coaches would have to basically say, hey, stop and go get some water, right? Now I can't get enough water. It's like I want to drink water all the time. And so, you know, once again, when I think about the the players that that listen to us and and come onto this podcast, if you're if you're listening and you are drinking all of your calories in terms of consuming all those sweet soft drinks and and you know and, and Gatorade and all this all the things that taste really really good, but is not really that good for you. You take it from me and and from from Bill here. The water is the best thing you could drink. It, you know, no artificial coloring, no sugar, no additives. It's just pure fuel. It's good for your body, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and like just not to pick on Gatorade, but you look at any of these sports drinks like Gatorade, and you see them in the you know in the cooler section of your local convenience store. Mm-hmm. Look at the colors of them. What food in the world are those colors? Yeah, right. They're not. They're not real. Yeah, right. And it's not. If it's not real, it's not going to give you the benefits that real, real food and real ingredients would give you. Okay. So they they pump those things full of colors to make it flashy. They pump it full of sugar to make it taste good. Right. Because they, at the end of the day, they're big companies and they've got shareholders yeah. and they got bottom lines to meet, and so they're doing everything they can to sell it. They don't care what it does once it leaves the store. Sure. So you have to take responsibility for that for yourself. And, you know, water, you can't go wrong with water. Right. You know, um, the only way you can really hurt yourself with water is if you drink way, way, way too much. Okay. And you deplete your salt in your body. And then, but that is so rare. Yeah. That's so rare that I wouldn't even worry about it. Just drink your water when in doubt. And I've talked to people so many times where like, I can't drink water because it doesn't taste like anything. Sure. Put some fruit in it. Right. At least then you're getting something real in there. Right. Throw some lemon. I have lemon water every morning. Right, right. I'll have, sometimes I'll put lime in it. I've had different berries 
I stick in my water, like strawberries, raspberries, whatever. Sure. You can flavor your water so many different ways without using fake sugars. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I do that, that too. Now my, my dad was a real advocate for having something at least room temperature first thing in the morning, whether it was, um, just basically a cup of water. Sometimes it was warm water. Other times it was, it was uh, water that was uh, a little bit colder. Maybe it was in the refrigerator, but something to, to start your day off. And it was always water it might be tea, something that was non-carbonated tea that would really make me feel like, okay, I'm up and I'm ready to go. And I know, once again, a lot of people that will start their day off with, some people have to have caffeine. They just feel like they need a burst of caffeine and espresso in the morning uh, to get started. I know when I when I would work out, sometimes I needed just, to, I don't even like the taste of coffee, but I would have a sip of coffee because it had the caffeine in it and it made me work out a little bit. Like it gave me just kind of that buzz to, to work out. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't certainly recommend that for our young players, but, uh, you know, some people like coffee. Yeah. You know, and if, if you're going to do some coffee earlier in the day is the better time to do it. Uh-huh. But, you know, going back to what I said earlier, if you get your nutrition right and you're dialed in on that and you figured out what works best for you, you will not ever need the caffeine. Right, right. And like I said, I don't drink any caffeine at all. Partially because I don't like the taste of coffee either. Sure. But I don't ever feel like I need that pick-me-up. It's it's very, very rare for me to feel that tired. Okay. Um, because I put an emphasis on my nutrition. Right. I put an emphasis on getting my sleep. And the other thing we haven't talked about is I put an emphasis on breathing work. I do a lot of work on my breathing. Okay. Which also can help bring in a lot of energy and bring in that recovery after your workout. Sure. I'm glad you said that because I know that uh, some people that I talk to are getting into meditation. They they are, and that's that's where their breathing exercise comes in is taking five minutes, ten minutes. There's some really good apps out there that uh, will assist you in reminding you that hey, take a minute to pause and relax and take some deep breaths. I think that's really critical, and um, so it's interesting that you that you bring that up. That uh, the breathing is really once again paramount to you know performance. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a YouTube channel with a bunch of videos on it that I basically put out for things that come up with my clients. Okay. And the very first video I ever did was about breathing and how, and I think I titled it, if I could only do one exercise, it would be this. Okay. And it, and I w- I say that because about 90% of the people out there have some sort of breathing dysfunction and don't realize it. Okay. And you start getting that corrected and holy cow, your, your stamina goes up, you're sleeping better, you feel better. You're more alert. You know, the, the benefits from that are incredible, not to mention all the physiological things that can happen. You know, a lot of a lot of our pain comes from actually internal organs and we don't realize it because it feels like muscle pain. Sure. And all of a sudden you start breathing the right way and it's gone instantly. Right. Breathing is really, really powerful. And, you know, it's it's something I recommend to I, I do some kind of breathing work with every single person I work with. Okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, it's kind of along the lines of self-care in terms of rehab. I'm, I'm seeing all these different ads for these. They call them these, these massage guns where people are taking these, these, um, uh, these tools and they're doing deep tissue massage on themselves, essentially. And I don't know if that's really working, if it's valuable not everyone can afford to go get an actual professional massage. And so like, for instance, if you're in high school, I know a lot of the, the high school players that I talk to, they're, they're getting these, these, they're asking for these, uh, these massage guns for Christmas because they want to after their, their workout, they want to basically give themselves kind of a deep tissue massage. You know, do you think those tools are, are really beneficial or are they overrated or, you know, I've, I've actually started looking into those massage guns I've seen them. I've had them used on me in demos before. Okay. I don't really have a lot of experience with them. I don't currently use them with any clients. I don't know enough about them yet. Okay. I can see where there could be benefit to it. Right. I could also see where there could be potential problems with it. But I need. I personally need to do more research on that before I can recommend yes or no on that. What about the rollers? The I foam love rollers. foam rollers. Okay. I do. I use all kinds of different tools for foam rolling. So mm-hmm. you got the basic roller. Um, there's a thing called the stick, which is just like a, uh, looks like kind of like a mini rolling pin okay. you can use on certain parts of your body. I've used softballs and baseballs. Sure. It basically simulates a massage. Okay. So it can be beneficial. You get the, the tissue surrounding the muscles get really tight and that can inhibit how much the muscle moves. Okay. So generally when I use those, it's either for people to wind down or during their warm up phase. 
Um, you know, if you're not going to go and do normal warm up stuff, at least rolling through your body with a roller can get some blood flowing and break up some of the adhesions that you might have on your muscles okay. and allow your muscles to move a little bit better. There are a lot of different techniques to rolling and to really get in there and figure out which technique is best for you takes a lot of uh, assessment. But right. when in doubt, try rolling out and see if that makes you feel better. Sure. Well, I like the roller too. And I feel like when years ago when I played, we we had some some different variations of the rollers that were out there. Now I feel like they're everywhere. There's really no excuse not to get on a roller. Every gym has one. Your high school athletic department probably has about 10 or 15 of them. If you're in college, once again, they're they're everywhere. I see them everywhere. So I I love that. It's not it's not like the most comfortable feeling. Yeah. To uh, to use it, but it feels good when you're done. You're just yeah. like, okay, I'm done. And most of your listeners are going to be playing a sport with a ball. Yeah, you right. You always use that particular ball. That's to, a good point. It. You know, there, there's no excuse not to do it unless it's something that you don't think works for you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's an excellent point. And so to wrap up, Bill, and this was all really good information, I think to, to, to kind of put a highlight on everything, we want you to get rest. We want you to take care of your nutrition. You know, we want you to take care of your strength and build that bone density so that you can endure a long physical season. And, uh, but the, the main thing is with any of these sports, have fun, right? You know, so all this stuff Why should be play fun. without having fun. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I certainly want to thank you, Bill. I think, um, once again, a lot of our players are trying to figure out how can they get the edge on their competitor, on their competition? What are they doing? to uh you know get that that little bit of edge that's going to make you successful you know to, instead of finishing second or getting a constellation prize you are actually the champion and all those different uh bits of information that you gave us today i think are really valuable uh, our young players our older players our adults the parents of these players i think could take advantage of everything that you had to uh, to offer in terms of information so i appreciate that i want to um go back to your the nutrition company that you work with yep. uh, that you get your supplements from tell me the name of that again designs for health designs for health and then is there is there if we wanted to get some product from there is there like a, a code yeah, that we could you use you can go um go through my website okay and actually the best thing to do would be to send me an email if somebody sends me an email and said they heard about it from here, I can get them 10% off. Okay. And what's the email? Um, so my my email is bill at beyondfitnessonline.com. Bill at beyondfitnessonline.com. Yeah. Okay. Simple enough. And then the the other thing I wanted to um, to mention was your YouTube channel. What yeah. is that? What's so YouTube? my YouTube channel is Beyond Fitness Online. Okay. And I have a lot of videos on there uh, ranging from two minutes to 15 minutes. None of them are longer than that. Okay. And they're all about just all the different things I encounter with clients. Everything from, you know, how to breathe better, different stuff on nutrition. I've got some videos on there about the eye exercises I was talking okay. about where you can learn about that. Nerve glides. If you're having any kind of nerve issues, there's certain, I have certain nerve glide uh, videos on there, how to do those properly. Okay. So it ranges from all those stuff, but it's all stuff to keep you moving and being able to fix any issues you've got coming up. Sure. Fantastic. Well, Bill, thanks again for, for joining us on Division One Basketball. You know, you have so much knowledge. I've been around you for a long time. I've been around sports for over 30 years. And I've met a lot of people that think they know what they're talking about. I've seen all the the proliferation of the so-called gurus online that have Instagram accounts and and YouTube channels that get a lot of people following them. But these are people that don't actually have professional experience in training people. They've done something that works for them, but they've never actually worked with clients and figured out how to how to modify a training routine based on the individual that they're dealing with. So when I wanted to have you on today, it was really for our audience to hear from someone who's an actual professional trainer, someone who's done the studying, you know, who physically has gone through the stuff that he's asking his clients to go through and not saying, you know, well, I want to get X amount of followers. And so I think this exercise is really popular or, or you know, this this particular routine is, is going to get people excited about what I'm doing, but proven, tried and tested types of routines and work that you're doing. And so when I go to your YouTube and I go to your, um, you know, the, the, the places where I could find you on online, 
I'm always learning something new every single week when you put out content. And there, there's so much information out there. And I don't know that our users can figure out what's, what's real and what's kind of fake. They look at people and what they look like and they go, Oh, well, that person must know what they're talking about because, you know, they're, they're jacked or whatever. And, and you go, Yeah, but you don't know what they're doing in terms of, you know, they might be taking steroids or, you know, doing some things that are illegal that's going to compromise their health in the long term. And so, um, so I really appreciate you coming in with the real facts and, and telling us what's good for us and what's not. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Bill. So once again, Continue to tune into Division One basketball. We have all the good stuff, and we're bringing in more content every single day. And we want to, like I said, give you the information that that you're missing out there. If you want purely highlights and you know all of the statistics and all the the flashy things, you can find it a lot of different places. But we want to give you a real good plethora of information from from people that are in the know that are going to get you to be a better player, and you know it's going to put you in a position to be as successful as you can be. So thanks again for tuning in to Division One Basketball. I'm Wendell Tull.